0: Praise God. The Lord is good, isn't he? To all of our guests, we welcome you. I know there's a number of guests here today. Thank you. We don't take your attendance lightly. We know that there's other things you could be doing, but we sincerely appreciate you being here. I'm going to share just a little bit of humor with you. Someone said their ideal of a diet is to blow the powdered sugar off of their donut. Okay, before I get started, first of all, I'm going to tell you that Wayne is preaching to Wayne. I'm glad you're here, but I say this with all honesty. I need this message way more than you do. And second of all, if you think that this message can add value to you and you want my entire notes, I'll be happy to share those with you. Go to Sissy, give her your email, and we'll send them to you this week. I'm going to talk about how to deal with difficult people. Are you ready? You can be seated. Here's what I know, ladies and gentlemen, that if your relationship stinks, life stinks. I'm going to say it again. If your relationship stinks, life stinks. And if your relationships are good, life is good. But here's what I also know. They didn't teach me in high school or college how to have good relationships. And another thing they didn't teach me is how to deal with difficult people. So what I want to do this morning, I want to list, give you a list, not an exhaustive list, but a list of difficult people. And then after I give you this list, then I want to give you what the Bible says about how to deal with difficult people. Are you ready? Here we go. First is a demanding person. This is the first person. They're demanding. These are the little dictators in life. They're bossy. They're pushy. They're intimidating. They're controlling in every area. They dominate every conversation. They make unrealistic demands on your life, on your time, and on your schedule. And it drives you crazy. They're little dictators. That's the first one. The second one is disapproving people. These are what I call picky. They're nitpickers. They pick, 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 pick. They're highly critical. Your best is never good enough. They always want more. They tend to be negative. They tend to be judgmental. They're unpleasable. They're perfectionistic. They love to point out your mistakes. And no matter what you do, it's never good enough. Number three is deafening people. These are the loudmouths, these are the megaphones of life. They talk often at 120 decibels. I'm getting a lot of witness on this one. They talk you into surrender. Until you finally go, I I just give up. You have talked me into the ground. And these people, they absolutely love to argue. Number four is destructive people. These are people who have uncontrolled anger. I call them volcanoes. You never know when they're going to erupt. But when they erupt, you know it. And they're a lot like Mount St. Helen. If you have a volcano in your life, then most of the time, as a family, you walk around on eggshells. And most families live in fear of when the next eruption is going to take place. I could spend the rest of my message on this person alone. But I'm going to continue. Number five. Discontented people. These are the people who get their feelings hurt very easily. They're very touchy. They're never happy. They have a daily pity party. And the thing that's bad about self pity, ladies and gentlemen, is because all of your pity is spent on yourself. You have none left for anyone else. All right. All right. They invite themselves daily and they like to moan and mourn, poor me. And it gets worse. They're chronic complainers, they have a martyr's complex, and they get their attention by whining. I don't know if y'all have ever watched a TV show, I don't even know the name of it, but there's a lady on there, her name is Fran. And Fran always sounds like this. Okay, that's how they sound. They always sound, I just, just, nobody likes me, everybody hates me, I'm going to eat worms, and it's a daily pity party. And it's like literally running your fingers down a chalkboard. That's how aggravating it is. Number six is demeaning people. These people are smart mouths. They like to cuss. Hmm. They're rude. They're insulting. They like to bust your bubble. Don't look right now. Y'all just keep looking at me. Don't embarrass them. Don't look at them. This looks this look straightforward right now. Because I know they're around you. <laughs> they're in here. Uh, yeah, they be among us. We are them. They like to tear your dreams down. They love to deflate you. They get particular joy in telling you how you don't measure up. And they can't. They can be disrespectful. And they can be petty. And they can be mean. Now, here's what the Bible says about how to deal with difficult people. Are you ready? Say amen. Amen. The first thing we need to do to deal with difficult people is refuse to be offended. Now, everything that I am fixing to share with you, I'm going to tell you right now. Listen, ladies and gentlemen, you cannot live like Jesus without the power of Jesus. What I'm fixing to share with you is extremely, do you hear me, difficult. This is why you cannot live the Bible without the spirit of the living God in you. Just as a toaster does not work if it's not plugged in, you can't live this if you're not plugged into him on a daily basis. About three or four months ago, I was highly offended at a group of men that I felt like that they chose God's will for my life. And I dealt with a lot of resentment and I preached a message on it much like I'm doing today. I'm preaching to me and I preached a message on resentment that was to me. And I talked to my pastor about it, who's Daryl Hargrove. And I talked to him, and this is what he told me. He calls me son. He says, son, listen to me, son. He says, this is what I want you to learn. You make up in your mind, you're going to be the hardest person in the room to offend. All right. You have a choice. And you make up your mind, I'm going to be the hardest person in the room to offend. Why? Because if you're always offended over every little thing, you're going to always be unhappy. Can I keep preaching? Here's what I have learned. No matter what they say, no matter what they do, no matter how outrageous their behavior is, is here's what I've learned. The more insecure a person is, the more rude they tend to be. When people are rude to you, they are revealing things about themselves. They're telling you what's in them, not what is in you. The reality is, there is a lot, ladies and gentlemen, that you could be offended by. That's true. And there are some things that you should be offended by. We should all be offended by sex trafficking. Every one of us in this room should be offended by child abuse and child molestation. We should be offended by the lawlessness that is going on in our society right now. We should be. when it comes to personal relationships, God says, let it go. Say it with me. Let Let it go. Let it go. You have a choice. And I'm trying not to go too fast because I want this to get into your spirit. You have a choice. No matter what you have gone through, you have a choice. You either let it define you or you let it refine you. If you let it define you, then you stay stuck. And they say a rut is nothing more than a grave with the ends dug out. A rut is nothing more than a grave with the ends dug out. And you're not going forward. All you're doing is stewing over what has been done to you. And you're staying stuck. And you're going to live your life in a circle. And you're going to play the victim all of your life. And you're never going to go forward. And this is why you have to decide. Am I going to let this define me and stay here? Or am I going to let this refine me? See, the wilderness is never a waste. This is what God spoke to me in a basement one day. As plain as day. He spoke to me and he said, Wayne, the wilderness is never a waste. Pause. If it don't waste you. God allowed the people to go into the wilderness. They determine how they came out. God will always send you into a wilderness to refine you. You stay in it if it defines you, and that is your personal choice. Either you're gonna get bitter over life or you're gonna get better, but you can't have it both ways. Can I get a witness? Come on, somebody. All right, here's what I've learned I've learned that emotional and spiritual maturity is largely determined by how you treat people who mistreat you. You want to know how mature am I? Well then just see how you respond when people mistreat you. Huh? I told you this was tough. For example, if they hit me, I hit them back. If they offend me, I offend them back. If they hurt me, I hurt them back. If they insult me, I insult them back. If they, insult me, insult them back. If they get angry with me, I get angry back. If so, then ladies and gentlemen, you're no better than they are. Here's the old saying. Here's, here's the old saying. To live above with those we love, that would be glory. To live below with those we know, well, that's a different story. Mm-hmm. Why? Because here's what we do, ladies and gentlemen. We focus on the 10% that people can see. God focuses on the 90 that nobody sees. I'm not saying this is not important. I'm saying that it's more important that you get your heart right. Because if you get your heart right, everything else comes out from the heart. See what we all need, and I'm preaching, I'm told you, I'm preaching to me this morning. What Wayne needs today is a heart transplant. I need a heart transplant from bitterness to getting better. To not being offended. To dealing with difficult people the way God deals with them. To love my enemies. To pray for them that despitefully use me. Come on, somebody. Here's, you say, okay, all right. Now, how do I handle difficult people? How do I do this, Pastor? Well, number one, if you don't want to be offended, just develop thicker skin. Work at being the hardest person in the room to offend. Pray, and here's what you pray. You say, God, give me a tender heart and a tough hide. Amen. Most of the time we have tough most of the time we have tough hearts and tender hide. God says, reverse that. Have a tender heart and a tough hide and say, I'm going to be the hardest person in the room to offend me. To offend. Is that alright? How do we get. How do we not get upset around difficult people? Here's what the Bible says. This is in Proverbs. Proverbs 12 and 16. When a fool is annoyed, he quickly lets it be known. Wise people will ignore an insult. I've told many of these Hope House guys, you rarely have to apologize for silence. Silence. You rarely have to apologize for silence. If you're wise, the Bible says you ignore an insult. Why is there wisdom in that? Because you do what Jesus did. You look beyond the behavior and you hear the pain. Two or three weeks ago, I preached to you, where does love start? Love starts with listening. And the crowd, all they heard from the two blind men, I'm not going to re-preach it, but all they heard was chatter and shouting. But Jesus looked beyond, he looked beyond their behavior and he saw their pain. Love starts with listening. Put your lips in part and open up your ears. Your ears don't have a gate to them, your mouth does. Are you with me? When you can hear beyond the pain and you listen, you listen, you listen to them and you hear and you look beyond their behavior and you hear their pain. See, everything we do is motivated by something. When people are hurting, it's because they're hurting on the inside. To all you people that don't understand why your parents did what they did, I can tell you, not that I'm. I don't claim to be anything, but here's what I do know. People pass on the hurt that was passed on to them. See, this is why the blood of Jesus is so powerful. Because if the blood of Jesus, if the blood of Jesus and repentance and the word of God gets in you, you can break the chain and the stronghold of generational curses. And you can make up in your mind, David, I'm going to be different. That's what Carlton is doing. My family's going to be different. I may have been treated this way because that was all they knew. They passed down the hurt that was passed down to them, but it stops here. I am going to change. I'm going to have my mind renewed through the power of the word. Does that make sense? Okay. See, here, here's what I've learned that most, most fear, most insecurity, most painful past, or a current pressure, it might be something that you don't even know about. But the more you understand somebody's background, the more grace you're going to show them. Right, that's it. Okay. See, y'all don't know this, brother Manuel. Lift up your hand, brother Manuel. He's not going to mind me telling you this because I know my brother. Brother Manuel was a licensed UPC preacher. Today he's in the Hope House. Why I went to pray for him. Is because my heart goes out to him. Because I know what the enemy has tried to do. He's tried to destroy this man of God. That's why you saw me go and pray for him. Ladies and gentlemen, when you understand people. See, you got to realize. I understand it's nothing but the grace of God that I get to stand before you today. That's all it is. It doesn't make me better than anyone. And my heart goes out to my brother. And I'm going to do everything in my power to restore him back to health. Because, listen. Here's what I know. Here's what I know. My sin that I have sinned is not greater than anyone else's or less than anyone else's. God sees sin as sin and God is always in the restoration business and we Christians are the only one that kill our own but that's got to stop in this house. We need to restore and love. So that's why I did what I did. You don't need to ask him any questions. All he needs is love. You don't need to know. Just loving. Love him back to health and help me to restore him so that one day he can get back on a stage and preach the gospel to people and see them saved and said, I know what it's like to be where you've been. Are you still with me? See, but here's the deal, y'all. If we don't know people's story, we don't cut them any slack. And I'm sorry, I'm not mad at anyone and I need to really calm down. I'm not mad at anyone, but it hurts me how judgmental Christians are. Come on. Here's what the Bible says, above all that getting, get understanding. Are you with me? See, the more you understand somebody's background, the more grace and patience you're going to have with them. But if you don't know their story, you're not going to cut them any slack. Here's what the Bible says in Proverbs 19 and 11. A man's wisdom gives him patience. It is to his glory to overlook an offense. I have been extremely patient with people in this room. Because I know how patient God has been with me. And you know what is so funny about Christians? You want to be able to come to God when you sin and he gives you grace. But you let somebody do something wrong against you three or four times and you have checked them off of your list. I'm not saying we don't need boundaries. I'm saying we need a lot of forgiveness. Can I get a witness? I'm talking today on how to deal with difficult people. Number one, be the hardest person in the room to offend. Here's what the Bible says, and I'm going to read it again. A man's wisdom gives him patience. It is his glory to overlook an offense. In other words, refusing to be offended by other people is actually an act of mature love. The more you love, the harder it is for you to be offended. If you're easily offended, it means you have a little love in your heart. You say, where do you get that from? Here's what the Bible says. They that love my law, love my law. Nothing shall by any means offend them. The more love you have in your heart, the more you're able to overlook an offense. The less love in your heart, the more insecure you feel, the easier it is to offend you. Here's what the Bible says in Proverbs 10 and 12. Love overlooks wrongs that others do. Y'all, it's not that I don't know some things. It's that I overlook it. Why? I overlook it because that's what love does. And then God can speak to me. See, See, the reason why, ladies and gentlemen, God has so much patience with you and me is because he can take us out at any second if he wanted to. The reason why I want to have patience with people is because I want God to have patience with me. And when God gets fed up with it, then I'll address it. But until then, God is never, ladies and gentlemen, about sending you to hell. God is always about lifting you up and taking you to heaven. And he's very long-suffering and he's very kind. The thing is, is you want me to show you a lot of grace in your sin, you just don't want me to show a lot of grace into somebody else's sin because it ain't your pet peeve. Now, come on, either say oh, amen or oh me or something. Y'all know I'm telling the truth. When dealing with difficult people, number two, here you go. You don't wait for an apology to forgive them. In our minds, we think, well, I know the Christian thing to do is to forgive and I will. I will forgive them as long as they give me an apology and I feel that it's real. The truth is they may never ask for your forgiveness. They may never say, I'm sorry. And so guess what? You end up stewing and holding on to something that they're not going to apologize for. Forgiveness, ladies and gentlemen, doesn't mean that we forget what they've done to us. Forgiveness means we place it in God's hands and we stop holding on to resentment. Vengeance is mine, says the Lord. I will repay. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm telling you, I'm preaching to Wayne Nealon right now because we all struggle with forgiveness. We all do. And every time I struggle with forgiveness, I remind myself of this scripture in Colossians. Here it is. It's a great one. You ought to memorize it. 3 and 13. You must make an allowance for each other's faults and forgive the person who offends you. Remember, the Lord forgave you, so you Do you understand? Do you understand what I'm fixing to tell you is in the Bible? Here is the deal. If I have major odd against Janet and I don't ask for forgiveness or she does me, my prayer is hindered. Oh, oh, yeah, I can show you that in the Bible. Yes, it is. Why? Because God wants two things. He wants you to love God and he wants you to love your brother and your sister. He's crazy about that. And he says, listen, if you can't forgive your brother then I can't forgive you. First of all, go make it right at the altar and then come and bring your gift and I'll accept it. Jesus said this, it's more blessed to do what? It's more blessed to offer mercy. Because why? If you give mercy, you shall do what? Receive mercy. So you don't wait, ladies and gentlemen, for an apology. You forgive them. Here's another way to deal with difficult people. Young people, listen up. Young people, listen up. Refuse to gossip about people. Gossip is destructive. Woo. Could you just hear a pin drop? I know De Quincey. I lived here 12 years. Refuse to gossip. Is that difficult? Yes, it's difficult. Because as soon as it happens, it's barely happened to you and you're already texting your friend. You won't believe what they just did to me. Oh, my God. And then it, and after you're texting, then you get the phone. You, I just got to tell you what so-and-so did to me. You will not believe this. You know what my daddy taught me? Man, my dad was a wise man. You know what he taught me? He said, Wayne, listen to me, son. Listen. He said, listen, if the person is not a part of the solution, then don't tell them about the problem. Dude, that's a gold nugget. You got to write that down. If a person is not part of the solution, then don't talk to them about the problem. What was he saying? Only talk to the people that are part of the solution. But you know what we do? We don't do what the Bible says. The Bible says that if you have ought against your brother, go to them. We don't do that. We go to everybody else. We go to the ten people and gossip about them. Gossip is destructive in your personal life. It is destructive in churches. It is destructive on jobs. And as Christians, we need to stop that immaturity. If you have ought against a brother, either shut up or go talk to them like the Bible says to do. But don't get on your little Facebook page and on your little social Instagram page and talk everybody except talk to them. Shout, let it go. go. Here's what Proverbs 17 and 9 says. Disregarding other people's faults preserves love, but gossiping about them separates. Separates close friends. What is gossiping, Pastor? Gossiping in one definition is sharing information with somebody who's not a part of the solution or part of the problem. Let's just be honest about it. Gossip is a form of retaliation. You're getting back at them without talking to them. Listen, if you've got all against me, don't go tell 10 people in this church. Be man and woman enough to go and come to me and talk to me. You say, well, I don't know what pastor's going to do. I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to sit down. I'm going to shut up and I'm going to listen to you. That's what I'm going to do. That's what all of us need to do. Here's what I have learned, ladies and gentlemen. I have learned this. I wish I knew it. When I was 24, I could have saved myself and Janet a world of hurt. When Janet starts talking to me, sit down and shut up. I'm preaching way better than you're responding. <laughs> if we start gossiping about this difficult person, they win. How do they win? Because they're controlling your emotions. And now you're giving your power away. You say, Pastor, what do you mean by giving my power away? What does that mean? You say, you're, I'm giving my power away? Okay, here's what it means. How many of you, let's just take a poll here. How many of you are like me? You'd rather be the driver in the car than the passenger. That's a good majority. I'd rather drive than be a passenger. Why? Because I like to be in control. It's so funny. When I'm driving, I can fall asleep. When Janet's driving, I'm wide awake. Uh, That's the God's truth. When I'm driving, I'm over there like Janet's like, you need me to drive? Oh, no. You sure? No, I'm good. But when Janet gets in the vehicle, I'm like, oh my God, did you see that? Oh. Pumping a brake I don't have. <laughs> Here's why you're laughing. Because you know it's the truth. Right? Because we like to be in control. Now, what does, what does it mean when I say you're giving your power away? Giving your power away means you're in the passenger seat. You're not in the driver's seat. Because now you're, let, you're letting them dictate how you think, how you feel... If you're having a good day or a bad day, you're letting them totally be the driver of your emotions. How you take your power back is you say, I'm going to drive my life. I'm going to think how I should think. I'm going to respond how I should respond. And I'm going to do my best to respond the way Jesus would. Does that make sense? Okay, so don't let crazy people win by gossiping about them. Here's the fourth way. Refuse to play their game. Here's what I've learned. Y'all stay with me. People are either going to like you or not like you. And if they don't like you, you can't make them like you. I came to this church 12 years ago. There were some people that liked me. There were some people that didn't like me. That's just the truth. Not everybody's going to like you. Refuse to be offended by that. Jesus never forced people to love him. Jesus was never about force. He was always about freedom. You want to come and follow me? This is what you got to do. If you don't, okay. God bless you. He never forced. See, I know that God demands our worship, but it's not like God demands our worship. He wants our worship because he knows that when you worship him, you're worshiping the best and anything less is going to take you down. But he doesn't force you. God didn't force anybody in this room to worship him. He said, I give you a choice. God never, I got to pause right here. God never, I I looked at scripture again just to make sure I'm right. I looked at it again. God never one time in scripture demanded anybody respected him. You're going to respect me. You know why? Because he had self-respect. Because he knew who he was. Just because you call me a fire hydrant, does that mean I am one? See, you have to go around demanding people respect you when you don't have self-respect because you don't know who you are so you're trying to make sure that they know who you are because you don't even know it. Jesus never demanded respect and check this out, all through the gospel, he never demanded that somebody fall down on their knees and worship him. People did it, but he never demanded it. Because here's what the scripture says. If some choose to not believe, does that make the word of God an effect? Do you really think that God, you really think that God is going to fall off his throne because people don't believe his word? Ladies and gentlemen, here, here's one of the greatest things you can do is realize who you are in Christ. Because when you realize who you are in Christ, a lot of this other stuff can just be like water off of a duck's back. See, there were some difficult people in Jesus' life, and you know what their names were? They were called the Pharisees. And, they, and I'm, I'm hurrying. They were always probing. They were always questioning. They were always tra- trying to trap Jesus. Y'all, I did a little bit of research. This is very interesting to me. Jesus, supposedly through research, was asked 183 questions. Guess how many he responded to? so I don't know if I believe that ok go look in your New Testament and when Pilate started talking to him he started asking him questions are you the Christ? nothing what is truth? nothing Jesus, Pilate started peppering Jesus with questions and Jesus never responded why didn't he respond? because he knew Pilate was trying to drag him into an argument And you can't change people's mind just by facts. There's some people that believe the earth is flat. There's all kinds of facts disproving that, but they don't care. Because rational people don't care about the facts. They only want to care about what they believe. See, difficult people, Pilate was a difficult person. And what he was trying to do is he was trying to get conflict to get God's attention. Here's what Proverbs 26 and 21 says. Just as charcoal, my daddy made me memorize this verse. Just as charcoal and wood keep a fire going, a quarrelsome person keeps an argument going. My daddy would tell me all the time, Wayne, I don't care, son, how big the fire is. If you don't keep feeding it with your tongue, it'll eventually go out. Just shut up. It doesn't matter how big the fire is. If you don't keep feeding it, it's eventually going to go out. But you know what? I will bless God. I'm going to have the last word if it. As the old saying is, hair lips the devil. Okay, go ahead. And the Bible calls you an F-O-O-L. That's what the Bible calls you. I didn't call you that. That's what the Bible calls you. How many people does it take to argue? you are so scared this morning. You don't even know <laughs> if you're to answer me or not. I'm not mad. How many people does it take to argue? Thank you. too. Two. What happens if one person refused to argue? Argument stops. Here's what I say a lot. Janet, I've heard you. I've listened. I could repeat everything you said back to me. Now what I need to do is I need time to process it. Because if I spoke now, I would speak out of anger and say things I don't need to say. So listen, I'm not running from this argument, but if you will let me just process it, then I can think rationally about it and I can come back to you with an adult answer. When I get upset, one of the first things I do is I sit down. Because standing is a sign of aggression. And I sit down and I shut up and I listen. I have literally, I am not making this up. I have literally repeated to Janet two times. And she says, no, that's not it. That's not what I'm saying. Third time, is this what you're saying? You're starting to get it, Wayne. I have literally thought, how dumb can I be and still breathe? It's taken me, y'all, taken me so long. And I'm dealing right now with some difficult people. And I'm crying and I'm praying and I'm asking God to help me. Give me Wisdom. Because, ladies and gentlemen, I got this. I'm gonna tell you where Wayne struggles. And the 10% that you can see, I pretty much got that. The 90% you can't see, God's still working on Brother Wayne. And He's teaching me how to love difficult people. Is it easy? No. I've gone 38 minutes. Will you give me 10 more minutes? How to deal with difficult people. Refuse to cave in. What does that mean? Love is not allowing people to manipulate you. There is no verse in this scripture that says you're a doormat. Not one. Listen to me. If if you're in an abusive relationship right now, physically abusive, you need to pray about that because I don't believe God wants anybody in a physically abusive relationship. I don't believe that God wants, if you're, if you're a lady here today, I'm going to just say it. If you're a lady and your husband is beating up on you or your boyfriend is beating up on you and that has been going on and you've been forgiven and it's been going on and you've been forgiven, here's what I believe with all my heart. You have got to forgive them, but then you need to put up a boundary and says that stops. That stops. I promise I wish I had an hour to teach you. Or to just teach. Because here's number one. Number one is repentance. That means I'm sorry. Number one is remorse. I'm sorry I got caught. But if I wouldn't have got caught, I'd still be doing it. That's most politicians. (laughs) Found with their pants down. But if you wouldn't have caught them, I'd still have my pants down. But I'm sorry I got caught. huh? Repentance is, I'm not only sorry I got caught, but I'm sorry for the people that are hurt. Restitution is, I'm not only sorry I got caught, I'm not only sorry for the people I got hurt, but I'm willing to make restitution so I can restore trust in the relationship. What are you saying? I'm saying that God never calls you a doormat. You can forgive the person and not let them keep abusing you and say, this is what restitution looks like. And until you do this, don't walk back into this house. See, we're, we're told by God to be meek people. Do you know what the word meek means? Do you know what it means? Here's what it means. It means strength under control. That's right. That's right. Meekness is not weakness. Right. I told somebody the other day, and it wasn't my most shining moment, and I, here's what I told them. You have mistaken my kindness for weakness. Right. And that's a mistake. Because when pastor knows in his spirit that God is done, God is done. And then I can sleep like a baby knowing I did everything in my power to bring restoration to this relationship. But God did not deal with stupid people. What what do you mean by that, pastor? He loves everybody. But if your mind's made up, do you think that, here's what I mean, did Jesus try to change Pilate's mind? He didn't. Because he knew Pilate's mind was made up. So what did he do? He just shut his mouth. And like a lamb, he went to the slaughter. Ladies and gentlemen, most of our problems are right here. How to deal with difficult people. I'm closing. There's one more step you need to know. Here's what my daddy taught me. Wise man. When you're dealing with difficult people, always take the high road. Because if you wrestle with the pig, both of you get muddy. I said, when you wrestle with a pig, both of you get muddy. Don't go in there. Don't even walk in it. I love you. I'm not going to argue with you. You're not going to drag me into this. I'm going to learn to keep my mouth shut. Because here's what I know. I can't control what any of you think. I can't control what you think about me but I have 100% control over my response to you and brothers and sisters when they were crucifying him speaking all kinds of things to Jesus if you be the son of God just save yourself come down Here's what he said. It's just so powerful. Man, I just can't wrap my mind around creating something and the very thing I created crucifies me. But Jesus did it. And then he said, Father, forgive them. They don't even know what they do. See, the reason why some people stay down is because resurrection don't happen unless there's forgiveness. You know what they tell me as I study? They tell me that depression is nothing more really than frozen anger. Depression is a lot of frozen anger. Angry, angry, and you feel powerless to change it. And when you feel powerless to change it, you stew inside because you don't know what to do. And then it comes out in all kinds of ways. Okay, Pastor, if someone in my life is difficult, what do I need to do? Here it is I refuse to be offended. I'm not going to wait for an apology. I'm going to go ahead and offer forgiveness. I'm not going to gossip about them. I'm not going to talk about them to other people. If I've got a problem, I'm going to go to them. I'm going to refuse to play their little games, but I'm not going to cave in. I had people wanting me to resign as pastor when I first came. If I listened to them, I'd already be gone. I refuse to cave in because you don't know God's will for my life. And just because you don't like me doesn't mean God don't love me. And I don't need your approval to have God's approval. Would you stand with me? Did they teach y'all this in high school? Did you get a, you get a college course on this right here? I wished I would have I just shared with you 34 years of pain right there ladies and gentlemen you say I don't know pastor if this was a very spiritual message yeah it was very spiritual cause number one he says love God number two he says love people and what do you do when there's difficult people in your life you still gotta love them and you gotta know how to handle it Because if you don't, people will drive you crazy. You're going to be saved on purpose, but you can be lost by accident. If you get your eye on people, because I'm going to tell you something, not every, oh dear God. Not everybody that says Lord, Lord is going to enter in. And I'm going to tell you something, Christians can be some of the coldest, rudest people i know you know what i've had people tell me this is what i've had people tell me pastor i have been in bars where people treated me nicer than what religious people treat me that breaks my heart it breaks my heart breaks my heart when people can't even say hi to me because i don't live up to their particular outward standard breaks my heart. Breaks my heart. Breaks my heart when brother cannot get along with brother and sister cannot get along with sister. And we get on our little social media platforms and gossip about one another when the Bible says, if you have aught against them, be man enough to go to them. Just be man enough, a woman enough to go to rest of that's foolishness. Father, I've, I've done my best today. Lord, I've made it no secret that I'm struggling and I needed to hear this message. Lord, it's one thing to know it. It's another thing to do it help me to take this word apply it to my life help me to be more like you literally every day I want to be more Christ like God I don't want to treat all these people good and all these people think that oh Wayne he's a pretty good guy and my wife thinks dear God if you knew him like I did I don't want that I want to be a man in my home that my wife and my children can respect. Not because I'm leading by demanding, but I'm leading by influence. Lord, help this house to be different. Help this church to be different. Help us not just to hear your word. But help us to apply it to our lives. Anybody need his mercy I your mercy I need your grace I need your mercy You know what I want somebody to do I want you to be bold enough and courageous enough to take somebody by the hand and come up here around this altar yep. That's what I want I want you to be bold enough not for one day courageous enough I need your mercy.